The thought that life could be better is woven indelibly into our hearts and our brains. Hi, hello, and howdy. My name is Michael Benner. And I'm Steve Snyder. Welcoming you to this edition of Finding Yourself in Paradise, a place of focused passion. Focused passion, a state of total focused concentration and amplified passionate interest, a state where both of your minds are fixated on the same thing at the same time. Steve and I have spent the better part of three decades studying human potential and personal development. And for those who subscribe, as you probably know, we bring you these programs every week, put them right on your computer, and it runs the gamut from ancient timeless wisdom of the ages to some of the cutting-edge research in mind sciences and the brain-mind connection or the mind-body connection. There's really so much to talk about every week. And what we've decided to present to you in this particular program is the concept of a higher self. A true self. A new self. An authentic self that deep inside of you, beneath your doubts and your fears and your anxieties and below all that stuff that gets in the way, there's a special you, a kind, honest, open, talented you. There's a place inside of you where all your gifts and abilities and all of the potential you have lies dormant for the most part. And we want to show you how by going into your personal paradise, you can feel safe enough to get in touch with all those wonderful and beautiful aspects of who you really are. Now, where are you going to go to find yourself or to learn tools and techniques that are practical and portable that you can then develop skill sets, if you will, to discover who you really are, what makes you tick? Or how about this? Why do I feel the way I feel? Wouldn't it be nice to have access to a tool or set of tools that every time you were confused and didn't know why you felt the way you felt, you would have something to do? Or why do I keep thinking this way? What is my problem with this pattern? You know, I always expect the worst in others or <laughs> more than likely, I expect the worst out of me. Oh, I blew it again. Oh, what about all this self-deprecating language that we often hear ourselves? And boy, I just, you know, I, my memory is so bad I'd forget my head if it wasn't screwed on. I mean, the point is we just don't know, much less honor, who we really are. You know, we talk about finding yourself and people are thinking, oh, wait a minute, myself, I'm right here. I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, if I, yeah. I just look in the mirror. There I, well, you know, that's not the true self we're talking about. You look in the mirror and you see what you expect to see. You see the you that you live with every single day. But underneath that is the true you. Dave Davies, one of the founders of the Kinks, had a great line. He said, if you're fooling yourself, well, then who's fooling who? The, the reality is there's two yous in there. There's the you that you walk around with during the day, but if you think about it, the part of you that dreams at night, that's a really different you than the you that walks around there during the day. We believe, in fact, we know for certain, because we've helped thousands of people get in touch with their true self, that underneath the doubts and the fears and all the stuff that gets in the way is a magnificent, powerful, and enormously huge potential for greatness, for mastery, for brilliance and passion. We know that deep inside of you is a you that you're going to love to uncover. 
Now we are talking about two. We're not saying there's three of you or four of you or five of you. That would just be another way of identifying and really admitting that often we play characters in our lives. There's role playing, even if we like to think we don't do that much, you know. You, oh, we all do. I mean, you're different with your mom than you are with your boss or your employee. So. No question about it. And uh, so we do play those roles. But having said that, there nevertheless is two parts to identity. The word self has really a lower component, a small s self, and then a much more true, capital T true, capital S self, that stands above it. And in your mind's eye, I'd like you to think of these two selves, not as side by side, but one above the other. Many of us aspire as this lower self, this ego, to this higher self. We have a sense that there's more to us, that we have a refined character. Sometimes people will say, oh, that's not me. Normally, I'm not like that. Well, who are these two? Steve and I are going to flesh this out a little bit for you. You know, one of the stories I think of, Steve, is right out of uh, Alice in Wonderland, or I think actually it's Through the Looking Through the Glass, Glass, one of the two, by Lewis Carroll, those classics, where Alice, after having quite a day down the rabbit hole, and, you know, eat me and drink me, and she got big, and then she got small, and then she got big again, and runs into the hookah-smoking caterpillar at one point. And the caterpillar says, who are you? And after this bad day of being big and small and in, you know, this crazy place down the rabbit hole, she says, I don't know. I can't, uh, I can't, I can't really tell you. I wish I could. I just, I just don't know. And, and as I remember, the, uh, the caterpillar gets rather angry and says sternly, well, what do you mean? Explain yourself. And she says, I can't because... I'm not myself, That's you right. see. I'm not myself, you see. That's a very powerful concept. Another story that comes to my mind is a more recent one uh, by Eckhart Tolle uh, uh, and uh, The Power of Now, a oh, yeah, wonderful yeah. book. And he talks about coming to a real crisis point in his life where he, he was suicidal. He, he, he woke up with the, the thought in his mind, powerful thought in his mind, I can't live with myself anymore. But then instead of going out and committing suicide, as many might do, his next thought was, wait a minute, who's the I that can't live with the myself? There's two of me in there. And if there's two of me in there, maybe the part that doesn't want to live with myself is the part that's really me, yeah. not the part that I don't want to live with. So he, he came aware of the fact that there are two selves. And we know that. We often uh, acknowledge that by saying uh, stuff like, oh, I knew better. Or, uh, you know, it, 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 it wasn't my true nature to do that. We, we all know that deep down inside of us, there's something better, something special. And, and the reality is you can't get there when you're stressed. That's the whole point. You can't get there when you're living out in that big, noisy, busy world. There's just too much danger out there for you to have the quiet, safe place to contemplate and discover the true you. That's why, in order to get in touch with the true you, you have to find yourself in paradise. And so, the more we are stimulated by the world around us, 
And the more anxious or nervous or worried or apprehensive or fearful or stressed we become as a result of all that's popping in the world around you, everything that's demanding your attention, do it now, fax this over yesterday, should have been done a week ago, phones ringing, IMs going off, emails, you know, it's just not to mention freeways and traffic and working six days a week and 10, 12 hours a day. I mean, we have created for ourselves an enormously stressful society that keeps pulling our attention outward, out into the world, so that we know the world around us. In fact, most people are more interested in knowing others than knowing themselves. But even though there are these wonderful admonitions of wisdom from around the world, like the classic Greek admonition, to know thyself, <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever heard wisdom of know other people, figure them out so you can manipulate them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what a lot of us try to do. Indeed. In fact, most of us think that our life is what happens out there. And so we put all of our energy and all of our attention into those things that are out there. The reality is our life is what happens in here. And out there is just stuff that comes through our lens. So it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you that's much, much more significant. And when you get in touch with that true self, then what you get to do is you get to perceive reality the way it best serves you to. That is, instead of being... Uh, influenced by everybody else and you know think the way I think do what I do you know say what I say you get to find out what your true path is because it's so obvious when you look at it that you're unique you're one of a kind there's never been anybody like you there'll never be anybody like you Michael you often talk about DNA and fingerprints I mean proving that we're the same my favorite one of my favorite lines of Michael's proving life, that we're not the yeah, same pr right, proving that we're so unique that and different. we are unique yeah. one of my favorite lines of yours is where you talk about you know Probably six or seven snowflakes would have been plenty. <laughs> but, but the reality is every single snowflake's different and every single human's different. So trying to do things like they think you should will never satisfy you the way doing things the way you know you can will. There's another allegory that I personally like a lot in using my teaching. And that's what if each of us were like a different piece in a giant jigsaw puzzle? Uh, I've even seen these jigsaw puzzles that have 10,000 pieces, right? And take you weeks or months uh, to put them together. I don't know who has time to do that. <laughs> My grandmother used to do that. I don't know who has time to do that anymore. But the point is, every piece is different. Each is a different shape, so that there's only one place that it'll snap in. And each, uh, e each piece, of course, carries a different part of the picture. And yet, if you had a 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle and you spent weeks or months putting it together and at the very end you found out you were missing just one piece, even if it seemed not to be an important piece, you said, well, I can still see the picture, it's still the old mill pond and the, and, and the piece that's missing is sort of off to the edge here, it's not really that important. I dare say most people would throw the damn thing out to say it's broken, it's missing a piece. So not only do we have uniqueness of character and being, as you said, fingerprint evidence and DNA proof of our physical uniqueness, which is a reflection of an inner uniqueness, 
Not only are we, each of us, unique with particular gifts and talents and abilities, but Steve and I argue, essential to the whole. You know how sometimes we don't feel very important? And sometimes there are people, whether they're advertisers or politicians or bosses at work, maybe in some cases even parents, that find some advantage in trying to make you feel small and unimportant? What if you knew, what if you really, really, really knew that that's the wrong question, that whether you're important or not in this moment or at this time, you are, after all, essential in the scheme of things. Absolutely. And, and most of us have no idea the impact we make on the world. I mean, you go to the supermarket and the checkers having a real bad day and you smile and say something kind and all of a sudden it turns their day around and they go turn somebody else's day around. I mean, the ripple effect of your life on every single other human being that you interact with is huge. And you don't, we don't recognize, uh, we don't even have the ability to know that because, you know, we, we drop the pebble in the pond and go away. But the reality is you're very, very, very important to the whole scheme of things. And the reality is that, that you're here for a really good reason. And you may not consciously know that reason, but I promise you know that reason because no one else could. And it's only in finding yourself in paradise that you can uncover that reason, that purpose, that, that calling that you have, the, the real raison d'etre, reason for existence that you have to be here on the planet Earth. And for, from two people who have found ours, we know our callings. It's so fulfilling. It's so enriching. It's so enlivening to know that you're doing what your talents tell you to do. You're doing what, you're, what you were born to do. Yeah. Everybody deserves that feeling. And it's such a wonderful feeling. We just really want to help you find that inner true self. Yeah, to, to be and then further become the individual the unique, genuine, and authentic self that you were born to be. There's never been anybody like you. Think about that. You are absolutely in the history of the planet Earth one of a kind, and that means you have a unique combination of gifts and talents and abilities that no other human being had in those proportions. You could do things that nobody else could possibly do because nobody else has the, all the stuff that you have. That's right. Now, the reality, of course, is also that there's a whole lot of stuff you can't do because you don't have what some other people have. I believe that you have the ability to become the best you can be at anything, but that doesn't mean you're going to be world-class at it because if you don't have a gift, you never get to be really world-class at something. The people who have gifts have too big of an advantage. But if you discover your gifts, then you too can become world-class at something, something that you're meant to do. Yeah, I think uh, we need to be careful about this because there are people who get sloppy with their language and though well-intentioned, they'll sing, they may say things to us like, you can be anyone you want to be, you can do whatever you want to do, and that's just not always true. Clearly, that's not true. But when you're in touch with your higher self, when you become aware of and begin to develop the true authentic self, you find those particular gifts and talents. And you still might be interested if you're five foot two in basketball, 
But it's not likely you're going to be a great basketball. Although there are exceptions. There have been a very few exceptions. <laughs> a couple that. of short guards <laughs> in the NBA, but aside from... And you know, Steve, there's one other thing that I, that I hasten to add here, and, and uh, I think it's very, very important. Because I've had clients, and I bet you have too, and we've come across in our seminars over the year, people who admitted a resistance to becoming the best they could be. Yes. Because they're afraid that they would then become pompous, arrogant, conceited, full of themselves, and then nobody will like me. And so what's the point of being the real me if I end up with no friends and I'm just this arrogant jerk? The truth of the matter is, and Steve and I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of individuals that we have worked with one-on-one -on -one and in large groups, who have confirmed this. The more you know about the truth of who you really are, the more you're going to like yourself. That's a guarantee. Promise. The no more exceptions. <laughs> Underneath it all is something you're really going to like. Think about nature. You go out into nature, uh, mountains, uh, prairies, uh, hikes, sierras, uh, uh, meadows, wherever, uh, seashore. A bottom of the ocean and all you see is beauty everywhere you look you've never seen an ugly cloud an ugly flower or a landscape that was misshapen who are we to pull ourselves from the nature of things and wonder if we're good enough it's clear that we are not in touch with our inherent value and that's what steve and i are about it's what we've been about for more than 30 years and continue to be about. But there's a second element. The more you know about yourself, the more you're going to like yourself, but also the humbler and sweeter and kinder you're going to be. So you end up with more friends, not less. Isn't it funny that the more you like yourself, the higher opinion of yourself you have, the less you have to like boast. Yes. Unless they have to brag about it. The reality is people who are bragging, conceited people, they have low opinions of themselves. And they're overcompensating with their bragging and their, and their, their conceit. But the reality is if you really, really love yourself, then that's just going to flow. And you don't have to you know, convince somebody. And, and it, it just you, you seem so soft and gentle and genuine and real and powerful and wonderful. It's, it's such a nice combination of soft power. You know, you feel soft, you feel, you feel like you don't have to have hard edges and push and fight, but you also feel like nothing's going to push you over, you know, like you're, you're grounded, you're rooted, you're solid. It's such a wonderful feeling when you get in touch with that true self. And, you know, we're not just talking theory here. We're not saying, oh, yes, you have a true self, you know, go find it. We're going to take you to it. Yeah. We're going to guide you into paradise where you're going to find yourself. Even That's later so, in the show, yeah. we're going to do that. In every thing. show. Yeah. In every show. The audio the, journeys. The audio journeys. This is some, so amazing because, you know, we've done radio for many, 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 many years, and you can't do audio journeys on the radio. You can't broadcast over the airwaves something where you have people close their eyes and go into a really relaxed, deep state. They could be driving an automobile or something. But here, because this is not broadcast, this is webcast right to your computer, and you get to listen anytime you want to listen. This is like TiVo for the radio. You can play this when it's most convenient for you to be able to take that little mini vacation and find yourself in paradise. Yeah, we think it's a good idea that you save these. They're pretty small audio files. And 
again, there's not only all of this great information, as I say, some of it ancient and timeless and some of it from the cutting edge of scientific research, but the last 15 minutes or so of each of these roughly 60-minute programs is going to be the audio journey. Yeah, it's like a meditation, visualization, guided imagery, but it goes beyond just your mind's eye. It's, uh, well, Steve, you call it sensory imagination. Sure. You have an imagination of smell and taste and sound and touch. And, and even beyond the five senses, there's the sixth sense, the, the intuition, a very powerful thing that will help you get in touch with that true self, that help you discover your calling. How do you discover your calling? Well, it's not a logical process. It's an intuitive process. Yeah. And one of the things you're going to discover and love discovering is just how loud that intuitive voice gets when all the other voices go away as you move into that place of perfect peace, that, that place of focused passion. Spoken like a true auditory, how loud it gets. For the visuals, how clear and bright <laughs> it becomes. And for the kinesthetics... Ah, how sweet it feels. How oh, sweet <laughs> it is. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Depending on your point of view, of course. Well, Stephen, let's uh, define the two selves. Let's start with the one we're familiar with, which is a phony or a false self, um, but necessary. Yeah, it's the ego. It's the roles you play. It is the ego, and... The ego's primary job, don't you think, is survival. It yeah, is insulating a, from danger, yeah. Yeah, know the enemy, know the other, forget you. Uh, the problem with that is that we're really not in that much danger anymore. Unless you watch Fox News yeah, and you yeah, could yeah. be convinced you're in real danger. But we're really pretty safe. Probably driving on the freeway is the most dangerous thing that any of us do. And yet we're still focused out into the world trying to, through a performance really for other people, earn their love and trust and respect as if we didn't know how to bestow that upon ourselves. And in truth, most of us don't because we think we need reasons to love and trust and respect ourselves. And of course, love is rather an unreasonable thing who says you have to have a reason even to be happy I mean what a silly idea and there's a challenging concept why do you think you need a reason to be happy maybe if you knew yourself your true self or as you come to better know the essence of who you really 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 are under those roles that we play or under that fight-or-flight reactionary rough flexive, knee-jerk nature where most of us live, you'd be automatically happy. That's right. In fact, happiness is your birthright. You were born with it. You don't have to try to do happy. Happy is not a do thing. Happy is a be thing. You be happy. And so it's, it's inherent. It's natural. The thing is, you don't experience happiness unless you're paying attention to it. You know, and if you're out there all the time, if you're out in the world all the time dealing with danger, then even if there's happiness inside of you, and there is, you wouldn't know that because you're not focused on it. It's like you turn on your TV and you turn on channel 7 or whatever. Channel 11 is playing right now. You just aren't focused on channel 11. But if you turn the channel to 11, then you see 11. Well, that's what we're saying. You can focus on the world out there and be oh gosh, there's got to be a million reasons to be unhappy, you know, looking out there. But there's also a million reasons to be happy looking out there, depending on what you're looking at. But anytime you go in, when you go in and quiet yourself, then you don't have to 
do anything, just happiness flows. Happiness comes. Happiness is. And, and that's the nature of that higher self. The higher self is happy. The higher self is, 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 is feeling safe and powerful and wonderful. And, and you know, the thing that keeps us from happiness in so many cases is feeling endangered. If you feel safe, then you feel safe enough to feel what you really are. And, and that's really a pretty happy being. We want to talk about that higher self, that, that authentic self, that what we like to call the new you, the true you, because that's where we're suggesting you spend more and more and more of your time. That, that living in that, not to say that you're going to eliminate your ego, not to say that you're not going to be out there in the world, but, but the more time you can spend inside and, and understand who you are, the better you will be at dealing with that world out there. Yeah, who you really are, the truth of who you really are, I like to say, the game is rigged. When you discover the truth of who you are, there is no question that, well, as I already said, you're going to like what you find. And, and love. And love. And love it, yeah. sure, of course. And you're going to, at the same time, be kinder and gentler, more loving. Your values, your ethics refine themselves automatically. It's not like I, I, I need to learn to be more ethical or I need to figure out a way to care more about other people once I've cared for myself and so on. It's like that stuff's in there already, but we're playing a role. It occurred to me recently, and this is a nice allegory for what we're talking about. I, that's really all we can do until we get to the exercise itself is talk about parallels and allegories and ways of looking at things. But somebody was talking at a event, a seminar I went to, about life as a collection of stories. And they were talking about success stories and a way that you can look at the successes in your life when you start to get down and depressed and you beat up yourself. Start looking at all the wonderful things you've done. But I began to spin off into, in my own mind, into this very topic. And I started thinking, wow. Each of us, consciously or unconsciously, and tragically for most of us, most of the time it's unconsciously, write the stories of our lives. We tell ourselves these stories. It's what often passes for thinking. But we're really not thinking. We're, in this case, just writing a story about our life. We're thinking about this story that we're weaving. Shakespeare says all the world's a stage and we're but players. Well, we're not only players. We wrote the screenplay. Actually, we're directing the play. We're the producer. We sell the tickets up front. We did the PR and we probably got to sweep up when the production is over. <laughs> but imagine writing the stories of your life and then playing a character in that story, forgetting that you wrote the story. But if you remember that you wrote the story, then you could rewrite it. You could author a new and improved version, a revised and expanded edition. And I think that's a nice way of talking about exactly what we're saying. It's not like you've got to become the playwright. You've got to remember that you are the author, the authority in the first place. You always have been. That's right. And as long as you're in stress, as long as you're living out there in the world all the time, 
all you can perceive is that you're the character and, and maybe not even like feeling like you wrote the story at all. It feels like the story was written by somebody else and you have to play the role that they made. That's that victimness that yeah. we often feel. Yeah, well, people think that it was done to me. You know, if, if, if my parents were so bad or if the school teacher hadn't said that or, you know, people, people think that life is mostly a function of what's done to them. But what they'll realize once they discover their authentic self, once they get in touch with that true self, is life is much less a function of what's done to them than it is a function of the way they perceive what's being done and the way they respond to what's being done. And you can't do that from a knee-jerk place, which is the stress mode. When you're in stress, you're in your animal nature. Your animal nature doesn't have the ability to be introspective and reflective. It's too concerned with survival. When you calm down and relax and go to your personal paradise inside, then you get in touch with your human nature, the, the part that feels safe and can expand in, in physical and emotional and mental and spiritual ways to become that potential that you're born with. You know, this is really important, what you've just brought up, Steve, the idea that life is a two-way street. Because... It speaks directly to the duality of self. And again, not a side-by-side, -side, who are you, the, the, the angel or the devil, the good guy or the bad guy, you know, the generous or the greedy. It, it, think of it more as a vertical alignment. Right. There's this eternal higher self that is just filled with goodness, an emanation of love and light and kindness and generosity. And then there's this scared ego self that thinks it is its body, you know, the body ages and we go, oh no, what's becoming of me? You know, the idea that your mind is expanding and your heart's never been bigger, we, we overlook because of our, often our, our fixation on the appearance of things. But the idea that life is a two-way street. You know, people say life is what you make it, but I don't think most people believe it. Or behave in that way. They may say, like a figure of speech, well, life is what you make it. But for most of us, most of the time, life is simply what's done to us. And then we fight against that stimulus. That's why we are tempted to know other people instead of ourselves. So that we can control or influence or persuade or seduce, manage other people somehow. I mean, it would be like responding to the weather report by trying to change the weather rather than dressing for it. And so when we say life is a two-way street, there is the stimulus. There's the part we're all aware of, what's done to us. And that's the ego's job. Survival, fight or flight, protect us, be on guard, watch out, know the enemy. But wouldn't it make perfect sense that there would have to be a higher, more refined, better part of you in charge of who am I, really? How can I realize that self? Self-realization, what a beautiful word, to become real. You know, sort of like the Velveteen Rabbit or... Pinocchio. Pinocchio, or I was thinking even of Data in the yeah, uh, Star, yeah. Trek. Star Trek. They all want to be real. They want to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should want that same thing, to be Sorry. real. And, 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 and that's exactly the dilemma we're we're addressing. So rather than being concerned only with what's happening to you, the ego will always handle that autonomically, automatically. Somebody comes up behind you and goes, boo, you will jump before you even hear the word boo. 
It's autonomic, it's knee-jerk, it's reflexive, it's fight-or-flight. It's a wonderful survival technique. That's what ego is about. But it is not a place to make important management decisions about your life. It's too either-or-ish. It's too everything-or-nothing. It's a lower brain function, I think. The limbic brain, isn't that what yeah, it's, it's called? Yeah, it's the animal brain. It's really a lizard-like brain, a <laughs> reptilian-like brain. And it, it does live in a simple place of survival where it literally is fight or flight, right or wrong, good or bad, either or, black or white. There's really only two choices because there's no time to look at the rainbow of options between the black and white. There's no time to explore that either or denies the existence of neither and both. So, so it's only when we get out of that stress mode, because you see, in the stress mode, as we're perceiving ourselves in danger, we have to act very quickly. We have to turn the wheel or slam on the brake. We have to make a quick decision, and we don't have time to explore a hundred possibilities. But when we relax and go into our personal paradise and truly find our higher self, then there's literally an infinite number of possibilities and plenty of time to explore a whole bunch of them. And it's not limited to either or. It's not limited to knee-jerk reaction. When life gives you lemons, yeah, you can get sour about it or you can squeeze it over lobster. It's your choice. Life will give some of you some lemons. It'll give others of you candy and it'll go, you know, and we'll have all, all the stuff that happens to all of us. You, you have some control over what happens to you, but not that much but you can have total control over how you perceive what happens to you and how you respond to what you perceive. Bingo. Only in the higher self. That's it. In navigation, or uh, sailors will say, I cannot control the wind, but I can trim my sail. Absolutely right. And no matter which way the wind's blowing, I can still go forward. Yeah. You know, I may have to tack, you know, left, right, left, right, but I can still go where I want to go. Even if the wind's this way coming toward me or this way blowing behind me, it doesn't matter which way the wind blows. It matters how I deal with my sails. Right. That's exactly the same metaphor we're using for the higher self. The higher self is the one that can trim the sails. The, the lower self can't do that. All it can do is knee-jerk. All it can do is react to survive. So that lower self, that egoic self, in psychology it's called the persona. Not just the roles you play, but the continuity through those roles. But the part of you that, as Steve just said, is focused out into the world that is rather defensive. You notice you do that even with people you love. They irritate you. They, they seem to oppose you when they really don't. And we get defensive. Well, who are you defending? You're defending the false self, the egoic self, the persona that is fixated, as Stephen explained, in the world around you. But there is a higher self, a more refined self, and that is the self that looks at, well, what am I going to do with what's been done to me? And how am I going to look at it? It's really two parts. There's what's done to you that the ego reacts to. But as we learn to manage that ego and become that higher self. Now we can make conscious choices about how we look at it, our perception, our point of view, our attitude, and how we respond. And imagine being conscious enough, being aware enough of this higher self that you can choose to substitute an even-tempered, well-reasoned response for those often regrettable knee-jerk reactions. Even-tempered, 
well-reasoned response. Think about that. That means that instead of doing what you did last time, automatically, instead of doing what everybody else does, it means that you have the option of choosing to do it in a brand new way that you've never done before, and maybe in a way that nobody's ever done before, and in a way that is best for you to do it. Instead of just reacting, and react is a autopilot nature thing, you're not thinking when you react. Or reflex, like the lizard. Or, or like a reflex, yeah, and hint the knee and the, and the leg bangs out. We're talking about response. Now, response is different than reaction. Reaction is automatic and response is a choice. Response always involves looking at the possibilities, looking at the options, and choosing the best one. And that's something you can't do when you're stressed and you automatically do. It's so cool because you don't have to try. If you get in touch to, with that, that higher self, all of a sudden you'll discover that your mind looks at options. It looks at possibilities. You've, you've experienced this before. Everyone has experienced the the aha experience, the light bulb going off, that's, that's the higher self. The lower self doesn't have that kind of ability. You've had the experience of, of knowing, you meet somebody and you just get a sense of, hmm, I don't really feel good about this. It, it doesn't feel like danger, but it feels like, hmm, deep down, I'm not sure how I, whether I trust this person. That's intuition. That's, it's not always right. You know, I mean, nothing's infallible necessarily, but, but boy, is it right a lot. You remember back in school on those multiple choice tests, you'd, you'd, you'd uh, read the question and you go, I don't know what answer, and then all of a sudden in your mind would go B and you circle B and then you go, wait a minute, I don't know if I, I don't trust that, and then you cross it off and put D and it was always B. <laughs> you were right you if were right. you would have stayed with your first impression. Because your first impression is that, that higher self. Not the reaction, but the real deep-seated, I know this is right, I know this is wrong kind of feeling. That's really powerful. We've all experienced that, and that's the higher self. Yeah. So there are many, many other differences in this continuum that runs vertically between the ego or persona nature, who you've always thought you are and the roles you play, people pleasing and codependence, that runs up this scale of perfection to a higher self. But what we're talking about here, just to summarize, is the reflexive self, the ego self, the false self, really doesn't have choices, it just reacts. The first indication that you are becoming a conscious, deliberate person is that you have choices. More In than fact, just two. Yes. More than black and white, either or. Either or. I, I, I like to say it this way. Number one, I have choices. Just say that to yourself anytime you feel as if you don't. I'm so trapped. Powerful. I'm so trapped. Powerful. What do I do? Nobody understands me. Oh, there's nothing I can do except this one thing, and I'm controlled by other people. And That's an illusion. Relax and recognize you have choices. I have choices. Number two, I always have more choices than are immediately apparent. Oh, isn't that powerful? Even if a whole bunch of options are come up for you, if you reflect and relax a little more, more will occur. More and more options will occur. C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> all of the above? Some yeah. of the above? We, we had all those choices in, in school, and we go out into the real world, and everything's true or false. What happened? <laughs> in school, at least, I had none of the above and yeah, all right. of the above. I had A, B, C, D. It's funny. And you know, in many ways, we're manipulated. Yeah. Media, 
so-called news, Got advertisers, right. politicians, they're all promoting this either-or thing because they want you to be controlled by their particular message. Your answer is, number one, no, I have choices. Number two, I, I, I always have more choices than are immediately apparent. Steve, I think the third point here is that my choices are in the area of perception and response. Right. I don't always have choices about what happens. Sometimes, but certainly not always. But again, always when you're in this state, you do have the ability to choose your perception and your response. You can choose to see what happens differently than you would have chosen to see it before. You can do that, and you've done it. And then the fourth step would be to choose the point of view or attitude, the way you're going to look at things, and choose your particular response, which you then initiate, not reactively, but proactively, and as your consciousness develops, number four even unfolds to be not just what's in my best interest as perception and response, but what's in the greater good of all concerned. And, and the more you evolve, the more my interest becomes the interest of all concerned, the more you expand into the awareness that you are a a, a jigsaw puzzle piece, part of the whole big jigsaw. So everything is about not just this selfish, you know, what's in it for me, but how can I get a result that's best for me and for all the rest of the, the universe and all the people that are concerned. That's, that's really, really powerful. I think a nice uh, trinity for that is from the top down, unity, harmony, and diversity. How does a unique individual find spiritual or even psychological unity and a sense of belonging and cohesiveness and an affinity often called love but through a process of love not as a destination but a means to an end there is no way to love love is the way and a nice word for that i think is harmony harmony it is a good word. If we, if we were singing, we had a bunch of people that wanted to sing, and we all decided to sing the melody. We were all the same. We all the sang, sang the same note in the same way at the same time. That'd be nice. A little boring. Sort of like a children's choir. Yeah. Sh certainly wouldn't sound like the Beach Boys or the Four Tops. No. Nope. Okay. And so if on the other end of things, on the other extreme, we just saying whatever we wanted that Caffeine. was yeah, <laughs> most discordant yes so between the discord of do whatever you want and the blandness the banality of let's all do the same thing together just get along and all be <laughs> unified and all agree there's a middle a heart and a soul between that appearance of opposites uh, a kind of a magnetic field that that creates polarities out of what might appear to be opposites. And harmony is a nice word. I don't have to agree with you to harmonize with you. Absolutely right. I don't have to, even if I disagree, I don't have to be disagreeable about it. You know, we can really enjoy the fact that we agree to disagree, that we agree to have our differences. You know, imagine going to a, a symphony orchestra and you, you sit down and there's, there's 75 tuba players. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, we're not all the same, and we don't want to all be the same. It'd be a really, really 
boring world. The fact is, because there's flutes and violins and there's cellos and there's drums and all kinds of stuff, that makes music. All the, fa the fact that we're all unique and all different and all special and all one of a kind, that makes music. The world is musical because of our differences. Viva la différence. But recognize that the fear we all have, that ego fear we all have, is of the unknown. And because they're different, they're not known. And so there's a natural ego fear of other human beings. But one of the most beautiful things you'll discover as you go deep inside yourself and get in touch with that higher self, that powerful self. And power really just means choices. If you don't have choices, you're powerless. If you have choices, you're powerful. So you go to that place where you have choices, where you're powerful. And all of a sudden, because you're in charge of your perception, you can see the sweetness in everybody. Yeah, there's bad people, but even bad people have sweetness. You know, you can start to see how you can harmonize more effectively with everybody else and, and play your unique instrument in such a way that it blends beautifully with all the other instruments that are out there. It's, it's just a much safer, happier, more powerful place to live. And you don't have to, you don't have to learn how to do this really, it's inherent. You just have to stop doing some of the things that you're doing, which is never stopping. <laughs> but you have to stop. <laughs> you, have to, you have to stop. <laughs> you have to just stop what you're doing. You have to stop this frenetic world and take, you know, an hour a week and find yourself in paradise with us and take a little mini vacation and especially the last part of each of these shows, the yeah. audio journey. We're going to take you to that place. We're going to take you to that place. And you're going to just really, really love being there. So one way of knowing for sure that you're identifying with what we're calling the false self, but a necessary false self, a lower self, but a necessary component, the part that, again, is here to protect us. Our ancestors are survivors. They are women and men who, 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 who were good enough at fighting and running, fight or flight, uh, to survive long enough to procreate and pass that ability down to us. So it's not a bad thing to be concerned with dangers around you and other people and to keep your eye on them. And, and depending upon the situation, you need an ego. There's, and we're not saying kill the ego here. But the same philosophies that are often misinterpreted that simply, kill the ego, die to the self also have a more refined concept called the middle way or the third way. And so anytime you find yourself locked in any kind of either or, black or white, everything or nothing duality, and the physical world is full of these contradictions, as if all differences are opposites and there's only two ways to be. You're either with us or against us. You're good guy or an evildoer, beware. Because somebody is appealing to the simplest part of you through fear. But if you can say to yourself, there might be a third way. I might have a C choice after the A or B. After the true and false, I might go to multiple choice. And if there's a third alternative, there might be a fourth permutation and a fifth combination and a sixth way of looking at things and a seventh way of responding. And this is where the true self begins to express. The higher self, the capital S self, the really kind, sweet, loving, brilliantly intelligent, compassionate, 
and I would say essential self. Yeah, and that's where it comes out. Because once you feel safe, once you feel safe, then, then your true nature emerges. And yeah, we know that you do have to have that ego to protect you from the outside world. And we're not saying don't go there, but we're saying don't only go there. We're saying include in your life some time with you and not out just out there. And it's easy to do. It's just a matter of, of finding that place that you go to before you go to sleep, you know, before you actually fall asleep, you know, that dozy kind of place. Not not that dozy, but where the world shuts off and you're laying there in your own quiet contemplation. It's a place everybody goes every day. Sometimes we go there for three seconds before we fall off to sleep. Sometimes we stay in that place for a while, but it's not anything magical you know it's a place it's a real place you can measure it on a machine it's it's uh, you know it's about 10 cycles per second on the electroencephalograph we've known about this place for for a hundred years now it's a real place it's easy to get to you go there every single day but most of the time that you're quote unquote awake you're not there you're out there in the yeah. room and we're saying some of your awake time you can spend with you yeah, awake as in eight to ten ideas competing for your attention at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Seven plus or minus two is the norm. Ideas competing for your attention. You may call them distractions. Interruptions. You may, yeah. All kinds of names. but You're reading and suddenly you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. You're trying to listen to some music on your iPod or whatever, and suddenly you're worried about paying bills or something. That is not the higher self. That is the egoic self that is designed to do that very job. Look, it's a good ally, but we don't want the ego driving the vehicle. Here. Right, and the higher self will pay the bills. Yeah. You know, I mean, the higher self will know that that's a priority and needs to be taken care of. It's not like you're abandoning the, your, your responsibilities in the external world by going inside. In fact, you become much more cognizant of the things that you really need to take care of out there. Most people know themselves as this ego, this persona, this lower sense, and they aspire to know the higher self. Right. Steve and I are now going to take you on an audio journey where you can begin to get a glimpse of how it looks and sounds and feels to be that higher self, calm, safe, relaxed, aware, profound insight and understanding available. And then we manage, like a big brother, the ego. We don't kill it off. In some traditions, this is called, in, in alchemy, for example, it's called the chemical marriage, where the higher self marries the lower self and, and cares for it and uh, appropriates it. You know, even such contemporary writers as Eric Fromm have said things like, in order to be happy and fulfilled, you must lose the ego. When you lose the ego, you lose your misery. But what he really means is manage it, because you're always going to need an ego. You never know when somebody's going to slam their brakes on in front of you, and it's not a time for you to consider all the possible ways of responding. You want an ego that puts your foot on the brake before you even think about it or realize what's happening. So it's not an either-or here. We're not going from either or itself to this one way of thinking we're talking about balanced management so let's go there Stephen and show people how to begin to glimpse this higher self in a calm relaxed place that then appropriates and manages the little ego 
brother or sister down below. Absolutely. And the only place you're going to find yourself is in paradise. A place of focused passion. So let's go there. Get comfortable in your chair or couch or wherever you happen to be right now. Put your body into a really comfortable position. Close your eyes. Take a deep, deep breath. Let it out real slow. And begin to relax. Anxiety, fear, stress, worry, doubt, nervousness, apprehension, it's all carried in your body as muscular tension. To create and sense a feeling of letting go of that tension. Not fighting with it, that would be more tension. But dropping it. Just drop it simply by feeling safe and relaxed. So we're going to guide you now with your eyes closed to an internal place in your mind's eye of perfect peace where you can feel safe and relaxed. We call this place paradise. Feel your body begin to release all the physical tension as if at the end of your big toes are spigots and you can open those spigots and you can just feel the energy draining from the top of your head down through your face and you feel your facial muscles relax and down into the neck and shoulders and oh so much tension held there for so many people well just shrug your shoulders and feel that tension just release and drop down down as it flows downward through your torso. You've heard the phrase, a sigh of relief. Well, a sigh of relief is a sigh of release. Ah, feel the letting go. Put it down. Let it go. Drop your guard and lower your defenses. There's nothing to defend when you're safe and relaxed in a place. Feel the letting go. Like this. A place in your mind, in your heart, a place in your mind's eye, but as you begin to create and sense a deep feeling of safety, of relaxation, I would like to suggest that you imagine yourself in a beautiful paradise, an Eden, a heaven, with trees and bushes and grasses and sunshine and flowers, and I always like to have a little water, a little stream that spills down the hillside, and, and uh, a nice pond here. Maybe a little lake or a pond with a surface that's as smooth as glass. What does it look like? Imagine the picture in your mind's eye. And if you don't see a picture, pretend that you do. The feeling that you're making it up is exactly the right feeling to have. What does it sound like? Do you hear the sound of running water or the wind through the trees? What does it smell like? Smell the flowers, the perfume, the air. And you can even taste the freshness of the air. And it feels, it feels safe. So very safe. 
Allow our voices to go with you and guide you. To orient yourself to our voices. As you become more and more relaxed. Feel the letting go. A place that becomes more peaceful and more beautiful every time you return. And of course, of course, the feeling you're making it up is exactly right. As Steve says, you have to pretend before you tend to do anything. So this is a practice, a rehearsal of how it feels. And if you're lucky, maybe you've been there once to a place so far from the roads and farther still from the cities that time just stood still as you heard the birds singing. the wind in the tops of the tallest trees and the freshness of the air mm. and the beauty of the sky this is paradise a place of focused passion you can feel the gentle warmth of the sun you can feel the gentle breeze on your face you can smell the fragrances of nature, so sweet and delicate, carried upon these breezes. And you can almost taste the freshness of the air. So find a place to sit. Maybe by the little stream or the lake you made up. Maybe beneath the shade tree or in the midst of a warm, sunny meadow. Because it's never too hot here. It's never too cold. This is your place of perfect peace. And in this place of paradise, finding yourself relaxed, feeling safe and calm and focused, you start to feel like you're getting in touch with something very deep inside of yourself. I have choices. A place that feels powerful and safe. I have lots of choices. A place where you feel like you can accomplish so much more than you've ever accomplished before. There's more than one right answer. A place where you feel that you have options and choices and all kinds of different ways you can go. Between everything and nothing, between all of this or all of that, are infinite permutations and combinations. Rainbows between the black and white so many possibilities and the more possibilities you experience that you have the more powerful you feel like you are because you can choose the one choice that's right for you in perception and response the one choice that's best for you how you feel about it and what you want to do with it the one choice that you know will satisfy you in terms of moving you toward what you can become. And you know what's real and true if it automatically includes the greater good of all concerned. As more and more you get in touch with that higher self, more and more you get that feeling of you being part of the whole, part of the all, part of the nature of humanity. And everything you do moves you toward your potential and is it at, for the good, for the greatness of all concerned. Yeah, this is harmony. 
This is grace. This is elegance. This is a peace that creates an expanded awareness and understanding that results in more peace. And more understanding. And around and around. And more peace. Like a gentle upward spiral. Like a, a warm updraft that allows an eagle or a hawk to circle slowly without any effort whatsoever, supported by the warmth of peace, Yo, promoting understanding, promoting more peace and understanding. And in this place, you can connect with who you really are, with your gifts with your talents, with your abilities, with your calling. Be patient with yourself. The first aha is not the only revelation, inspiration, or realization available. It's just the first. There could be another one. And another one. And, and one after that. As your awareness expands, the more choices you have, the more powerful you feel. And the safer you are, the more choices you have. So closing your eyes and taking a vacation from the stresses of your life by coming with us to find yourself in paradise opens up the possibilities of much, much more happiness, healthier, happier, more vibrant life. You have the ability to tune into your potential and start to actualize it more and more every single day. In fact, you are so unique that right now you're going to think of a gift, a talent, an ability that you have that you realized you had a long time ago in childhood something you felt you were good at, better than most, something that came naturally, something that came easy, something that felt so right, and then because life got in the way, you stopped doing it. Maybe it was drawing, or maybe it was romping and playing, or maybe it was checkers, who knows? Everybody has some things that they found they really enjoyed when they were children, and those things seemed to fade as life got in the way. Well, you can have the ability here to get back in touch with those gifts and talents that you once knew you had, but let go by the wayside. You are not your judgments of yourself as much as you are what you care about. Reflect upon that for a moment. Remember how self-critical we've been in the past. How when we think about who we are, it's full of judgment, much of it negative. Why? We beat ourselves up endlessly over circumstances and behaviors that if a, a good friend of ours had done, we would have forgiven them long ago. But we continue, in our own case, to beat ourselves up, to be critical, as if there's some advantage in all of that negative self-talk Consider that you are not what you think about yourself. 
so much as you are what you care about, what's important to you. And before you even get to why it's important, just dwell for a time on what do I care about? The higher self cares about love, joy, and happiness. The higher self cares about feeling fulfilled and feeling rich and sweet and kind. The higher self cares. The lower self thinks, most often in a critical way, but the higher self, the higher self feels. It feels safe. It feels loving. It feels joyful. It feels powerful. The higher self is always there always there. It doesn't go away when you get into your lower self. It's always there. And by talking to it, communicating with it now, and instructing it on that, that aspect of big brothering, big sistering, the lower self, it will always be there even when you're not tuned into it. It will become the governor of your choices, the governor of your perceptions and your responses. And always there'll be this place of wisdom that overviews everything the ego does. Ego is confused. Higher self understands. Ego is scattered. Higher self is integrated. Ego thinks and criticizes self as well as others. Higher self, the true self, the genuine authentic essence of who you are cares for the ego and cares for other but the true self is the essence of caring it's called love the ego is fear the higher self is love the ego is frightened the higher self is quietly confident the ego is confused and the higher self understands. Say to yourself, I am that I am. In form as ego, a separative, largely frightened and self-critical nature, but more importantly, above and free of separativeness and alienation. I am that I am. I am loving I am caring. I am my unique and unlimited potential. Week after week, we'll go back and visit this higher self, exploring more and more of the talents and gifts and abilities and joy within. Each week, through these audio journeys, we'll go back to paradise and find yourself growing, changing, becoming better and better every single day. Each week, you'll be able to escape from the stress of your life and find yourself in paradise. And even if it's debatable whether practice makes perfect, there's no question that practice does make us better and better and better and better. It's not even a matter of becoming so much as realizing what's already within us, what we already have. We're giving you the keys to a vehicle you already own, the power of your own higher self. 
Follow our voices as we count slowly to five, and in a few moments, when we finally reach the number five, at that time we'll ask you to open your eyes wide awake and alert, feeling really fine, rested, and, and bring with you effortlessly as you float up a perfect memory and a deep understanding of what you're learning to do here. And as I count one, imagine yourself in the basket of a beautiful hot air balloon or like a skin diver floating slowly toward the surface of the water. Coming up, it's two. Feeling yourself becoming more aware, more awake, more alert. Maybe wiggle your fingers and toes and shrug your shoulders a little bit. Feel yourself coming into your body. Drifting gently, whether through air or water. Floating up, three. <sighs> With a deep breath, become aware of the room that you're in and the place in your life you are. And know that you can come back to this place of perfect peace, this place of paradise, anytime you choose. And five, wide awake, wide awake. Wide awake and alert, and uh, thank you very much. I'm sure you've enjoyed, uh, even if only partially as much as Steve and I have enjoyed this program. We want to remind you, if you're listening to another's program, you can subscribe to yourself for a mere 99 cents. It's pocket change. <laughs> the fraction of what a cup of coffee uh, costs anymore. It's basically a delivery charge so that we can put these programs right onto your computer for you automatically. You subscribe once and it's all handled. Just go to focusedpassion.com. All one word, focusedpassion.com, and you will find a little button to push if you want to subscribe if you haven't yet. And you'll also find some real interesting information about Michael and myself and, and this alpha brainwave state. It's an it's a interesting website, FocusedPassion.com. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, from Steve Snyder and Michael Benner, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. So long. The thought that life could be better is woven.